all language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue. We would be honored if you would join us. How are you feeling? Your latest workups on your condition indicate that all damage has been reversed. Recovery is total. I believe you have been quite fortunate. No further thanks are necessary, Commander, but you are most welcome. It is my function and pleasure as a metaphoric to help and heal human beings. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Welcome, everyone, to Star Wars From the Back to Tank, the Mandalorian edition. All right, so, Dave, hello. How are you? How's it going? Doing good. All right, so did your jaw drop during this episode? Oh, it it cracked the floor, honestly. I needed help afterwards. (laughs) I thought my jaw broke. In 13 episodes, we get so much of the questions me and you had about the characters, and we finally get them. Yeah, I was talking to my brother about it. And my brother's all like, dude, you're never happy because I was complaining because it was so good. Like, Dave, I just complain nowadays. Like, I'm like, this episode's so fucking amazing. It gave me everything I want, but now I need it to slow down. It's just too much. It's, it's too just, much. <laughs> it's like you want to find something wrong with it and get angry at it, but you can't. With this episode, this is the first time I actually finished the episode. I'm like going, I don't feel angry about yeah. this. I, I can't. Well, by far, this is the best episode to date. In my opinion, it, 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 mm, hold on. The last two episodes of last season were really They're good. Really but good. I mean, this. No, dude. I this think one. in terms of action and character development, this, this episode had it all because it wasn't just about what they did in this episode and the uber cool factor of violence and action. No, we got the bigger Star Wars story. We were given added story aspects to the actual evolving narrative and myth arc of the season. We yes. have character development. I mean, canon defining aspects, the fucking mentioning of Grand Admiral Thrawn. Oh, dude, David, that, things I just never would have thought we would get so soon. You say, well, here's the thing for me. Some of the things we were asking feel a little late, but. The fact that we got it. Okay, late, Dave. Okay, so late in the way that we sh- probably should have gotten more canon-defining elements sooner, but the aspects of Ahsoka and Thrawn, I didn't think we would ever no, get. I, just, I didn't think those we would get. Yeah, I don't think I was prepared for this episode. I know the rumors that were all over the place, that Ahsoka would be in the series, but it was never confirmed officially. Yeah. So I should have been prepared, but because I'm used to disappointment when it comes to Star Wars, I just wasn't ready. I'm like, nah, we're not going to get a soak. Fuck that shit. But no, we finally have ourselves a live action version of Ahsoka, and I couldn't be happier. Rosario Dawson did right by the fans. Her portrayal was a great representation. Oh, my God. It was it was a fantastic representation of Ahsoka. Better than I had Thought or yeah. assumed. I know when the rumors had circulated that Rosario Dawson would be playing Ahsoka, I was a little uh, hesitant. Yeah, same uh, here. I, I'm a big fan of Rosario Dawson. I've reviewed numerous things on this network whenever she's involved in a project because I'm a big fan of her work. But I just wasn't quite sure how her performance would come off playing Ahsoka. And 
she did a good job capturing a world-weathered, mature Ahsoka. Oh, yeah. Dude, when she started talking about Anakin, that I was like going, uh, that gave me flashbacks of the ending of Clone Wars, where we we get this continuation of seeing Ahsoka still not really dealing with those issues, but the fact that it's become part of her. And also seems like she's avoiding stuff, which... Oh, yeah. That's something that we saw in Rebels, too. She was avoiding certain things, probably because of her own fear. The events of Rebels, where she cheated fate, right, essentially. Yes. And then we saw her choose to remove herself from the equation because she didn't want to change the course of fate and destiny. I mean, this. So we've had her before, of course, since Clone Wars, or yeah. I think, or I should say, prior to Clone Wars. Where we've seen a weathered, world weathered version of Ahsoka, but this is a very different version. We don't know where she's at. A yeah. lot of time has passed. We know at least seven years, roughly eight years at the most. Probably that's yeah, the last because, time we've seen her in Rebels. Yes, because that was the last time, like a. Uh, continuity of time that we've actually seen her yeah is is rebels and in that one you could kind of tell that basically when ahsoka decides to go into hiding sherry knows about anakin she just came from actually dealing with anakin and i like the fact that rosario dawson i love how she portrayed that those lingering feelings still carried on Absolutely. fight with Darth Vader. And it has to. I mean, those are life-changing. Those are character-defining moments in Star Wars. These are things that you can't just forget. And that's the beautiful thing about Star Wars because you're not dealing with just one movie or two movies or a trilogy. You're dealing with the epic universe of Star Wars that's ever-growing, ever-evolving. And just like we keep getting fantastic additions to the story of Anakin Skywalker, and every time we get new stories or comic books were like, Oh, but how many more stories can they tell about Darth Vader and Anakin? And yet every time they managed to do his massive tragic story, just, and, and now we have yet another character that honestly, we're just really beginning to explore. And that's of course, Ahsoka. We're really, yeah. yeah she's been around for over a decade and we've seen her in numerous TV uh, animations, but honestly, we're, Still just really getting started with her character. The sky is the limit. There is so many possibilities with a character like this, especially post Return of the Jedi. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And like the thing that that I really did dig, though, is you didn't have to have like this huge scene of Anakin and Ahsoka just merely bringing the tying the feelings that she has of Anakin to Grogu. I thought was a genius move for this episode was like kind of bringing those feelings of like Ahsoka to the forefront Well, I, without I, even bringing it. You didn't have to bring in Darth Vader. You didn't have to even show. Darth no, Vader. you don't need to do any of that. Yeah. All you had to do was just tie the similarities of Anakin to Grogu. Well, that's why Dave Filoni did a great job with this episode because it wasn't just about fan service. It wasn't just about, Hey, you remember this character? Wink, wink. Hey guys, put your hands together for Ahsoka. No, this was still, they didn't lose sight of the episode. The episode is still about Grogu. The episode is still about the Mandalorian. Yes. The fact that the episode was written around the Mandalorian. Yes. And around Grogu 
That ultimately was the reason why this episode worked really well for me. Because yes, Ahsoka is important to the bigger story of Star Wars. But we have to remember that this is the Mandalorian. And that was my biggest fear going into this season with all those rumors about guest stars. Well, how are we going to tie this into the Mandalorian without being distracted? This isn't an ensemble cast necessarily. We're dealing with the story of Grogu and the Mandalorian. So how will they write this or these episodes with these guest appearances in a way that revolves around the Mandalorian? And I feel like to date, Filoni has done the best job interweaving the two stories, the story of Ahsoka with the present and contemporary storyline of the Mandalorian without distracting. There were things that they alluded to without over explaining because you could have gone dangerously wrong. You got to remember there are millions of people watching the Mandalorian that don't know anything about Ahsoka. Yes. And if you went too deep, it would have frustrated and confused a lot of viewers. And they just gave us just enough, just enough that just enough of what we need to know about the character. And of course, the fans of Ahsoka and the people who've been following her story since day one, we are well aware of those of of many of those yeah. moments that they alluded to. And dude, leave it to Filoni. What have we been saying since day one of Star Wars? Leave it have, to Filoni. Leave it to Filoni. Faith in the hat. Yeah, that hat, faith will... in the boots, faith in the boots, David, <laughs> that that hat and boots will save the day. And dude, for the first time since we've covered the second season of the Mandalorian, I'm like going, I feel fantastic about this episode. And guess what? It's because of Dave Filoni. It is Filoni Dave. knew. Just what let the to man, do. let the man work. Let the man Come work. Come on, Kathleen Kennedy. <laughs> let the man work. And I hope to God she gives him a blowjob every day at 5 p.m. <laughs> at the end of the shift, you know, I, I know. Come on, this is the film business. There's no shifts. Just give him a goddamn blowjob <laughs> every man, day. The man saves the day yeah, every just, single time. He's like, all right, Favreau, let me see what you got. Just like he did with Clone Horse. He's like, all right, JJ. All right, Ryan Johnson. I see what you got. You know, let here I go. Here I go with my script. I saw, I saw what you're capable, capable of, but, you know, this is my thing. Here, this is Ahsoka. This is my thing. And he starts doing the break dancing again. <laughs> He's dancing. He's dancing right now in front of Favro. Uh, Favro's all, let, let me direct this episode. I, I think I know what I want to do with this. Oh, no, no, hold on. I'm going to break dance for it. And you got to stand there. You got to stand there. I'm sorry. And then all the cast is like, go, 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 go. Baloney, baloney. Yeah. I'm, I'm serious, man. As much as, you know, Kathleen Kenny was chosen by George Lucas. I really think at this point, Filoni should have been the chosen, uh, the quote, quote, the chosen one. He just wasn't experienced enough within the TV and film industry. Yeah. He just wasn't. That's but just the facts. Every single time, every single time I have this, like suddenly my, my, my love for Star Wars starts waning and all of a sudden Filoni just comes in and says, Hey, remember the good times. And then all of a sudden he does it. Yeah. In any, in every single, in every single iteration that me and you have covered of Star Wars, Filoni has come in and basically made people spread out. He, this is his, this is his wheelhouse right now, and the fact that he did it 
to someone that I also idolize in John Favreau. Yeah. Because me and you have been very critical of John Favreau since the very beginning. He and just needs help. That's all. I'm like, and going, this is them helping him. A guy that does not have the, 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 the pedigree of Favreau and Filoni basically just says, I'm going to basically put everyone out and direct this one episode. And I'm with you. This is my favorite episode of the entire season right now, because you did so much, not just for the universe of star Wars, but you, Filoni went in and basically added narrative substance to the story of the Mandalorian, which, which we desperately needed. We desperately, we desperately needed. needed that. And ultimately that's the, the biggest win of this episode. It has nothing to do with Ahsoka. It has nothing to do with learning the child's name. Well, it does have a little bit to do with that. A little bit, but I mean, it's like, all about, I mean, this is why I say we need fan service with substance. Mm-hmm. Uh, Favaro has been doing a lot of su- fan service, but with not a lot of substance. This episode is a perfect example of a well-written episode from a man who understands Star Wars and understands the television writing process. Yes. And that's why this episode stands above the rest so far. And I, I don't know about you, but this is the first episode, I would say, in the entire series where I look at the the character of Grogu, who is the child, but at this point, I'm calling him by his name. His name is Grogu. Thank God. But like... No, it's Baby Yoda. <laughs> the, the this is the first episode I could fully say that I'm looking at the the child and I'm, it's more than just oh he's cute. Yeah. Now we get something about his background and suddenly I'm uh, at the end of the episode I'm like going I really feel sorry for the kid now. Yeah. Because like well he's he was there at Coruscant he's one of the last Padawans. Yeah, and we'll get into that aspect in a minute here, Dave. That that aspect that aspect was my number one favorite moment. Yeah, it was good. Now, there are rumors that the ending scene in Rebels, when Ahsoka and Sabine decide to look for Ezra, hasn't happened yet. That this very confrontation in this episode will actually lead to that very moment. Because as you know, we don't know when that scene takes place. Because in those waning moments of Rebels, that series finale, the last, what, three to five minutes was a montage. and. It was them talking about what was happening and the end of the war and the Battle of Endor. And then we decided to that it's time to continue or start our search for Ezra. Ezra. We don't know when that and then actually took place. And that's that's an interesting. That that was an interesting little nugget for me because I'm like going, okay. If at this point Ahsoka is looking for Thrawn, that means Thrawn somehow got back. Or remember, is he back yet? Well, she, we don't know that. Just because she asked the the magistrate where her master is, the magistrate, as we learned in this episode, is connected to the empire. Is, is connected to the empire. She was empire. the the one responsible for the Imperial Navy. So, for all we know, this. This relationship between the two was formed long before the events of New Hope New and Hope, Return, of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi. So we'll see. It would feel a little weird if Thrawn's back and we never really saw that. Unless, of course, we learn that or see those events 
and some other series. So I will say my mouth dropped at the end of the episode when Ahsoka, you know, battled the magistrate and said, where's your master Grand Admiral Thrawn? Dude, because dude, I was seriously shocked, man. I have not been, I have not been this shocked watching star Wars since Yoda showed his saber skills (laughs) and attack of the clones. Yeah. I do not think my mouth has ever dropped that far. Watching Star Wars, Dave, since 2000, when did Attack of the Clones come out? 2002? Yes. I believe in 2000, 2002 or 2000. This is what I want, Dave, when I'm watching Star Wars. Yeah. I want to be shocked. I want to be wowed. And I, I was wowed. I, yeah. Dude, the whole, that whole scene in parallel with the Mandalorian and suddenly we have like this, by far, my favorite fight scene that we have gotten in the Mandalorian completely yeah, has to be Ahsoka versus the magistrate with Mandalorian facing off against, against Michael Bean. Yeah. And by the way, Dave, that standoff between Jaren and Michael Bean's character. Yeah. That is how you direct a Western. Scene. Yeah. That was a chef's kiss. All right. That's that how you awesome. do it. There was no heavy handed, Hey guys, remember this Western trope? No, it's just a standoff with two fucking gunslingers. That's it, dude. And I love Michael Veen's character when he goes, looks like you would. Yeah. And it, it gave me the vibes that basically one of my favorite characters that Michael Bean portrayed was Johnny Ringo from Tombstone. And when he puts his, looks like he would. Yeah. Puts his, puts his rifle down. and has this big smile. And I'm like, going, he's like Johnny Ringo. Yeah. This is freaking awesome. It was good. It was so good. I was, I was actually disappointed. He died. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing about the series, Dave, is they introduce these side characters. You're like, Oh, but I want to see you again. I want to see you again. And all of a sudden, well, he went out, he went out like a boss though, man. Yeah. Like that's how, that's how that a character like that has to go out. Yeah. You know, I agree. Guns blazing. Forget it. (laughs) So Dave, setting aside all the awesomeness of the episode, we actually moved into territory that honestly, I thought we would not get to this early in the game. And I know you had said, well, you know, the show has been so slow, you know, we should have got, we should have got to this sooner. Yes. Yes. In retrospect, yes. But because the show has been stutter stepping and to a point to where it aggravated you and I, like, what, where is this show going? Where is this show going? What are you doing? And finally, now we're moving into this territory. And I was I just wasn't expecting it to happen. And now that we're here, we're being given a lot of great stuff. And we're going to get into all of this. But first, a quick live read here, Dave, to talk about our Patreon page. If people want to help keep us on the air through 2021 they might want to consider pledging to our patreon page patreon.com slash rainman digital and pledge five dollars or more a month and you will gain access to additional star wars discussions book reviews comic book reviews we do all types of additional shows each and every single month when you subscribe and you can do five dollars a month but you can also do yearly pledges as well so you don't have to worry about that monthly fee five dollars times 12 plus you get two months free when you subscribe for a year so you might want to consider doing that patreon.com slash rain man digital all right so i want to start officially by saying reiterating reiterating 
This episode wasn't just written exceptionally well, but it was beautifully captured. Yes. The cinematography, as well as the direction, was some of the best we've seen in this series to date. So many classic samurai moments, homages to the great Akira Kurosawa, which is appropriate when dealing with an episode like this. You're dealing with a former Jedi, a bit of a ronin, if you will. So this motif was extraordinary, extraordinarily done, was done extraordinarily well. Uh, The ambience helped create an aura that was crucial um, to the mystery of the Jedi at this time. I mean, Dave Filoni killed it this episode using the shadows and from a more technical standpoint in terms of cinematography, the use of negative fill, the saturated tones. This is how you pay homage to not just Star Wars, but the classic genres that inspired George Lucas. Yes. And that's the important part is like, I'm glad that Filoni once again showed that it's not just about the love of Star Wars itself. The inspiration of George Lucas was those samurai films, was the Flash Gordon epic, was those westerns. And, and that's and this episode is a perfect example of bringing those genres together. Together, And he, he essentially took a, a spaghetti western or a western and mixed it with the samurai genre in this one episode. Yeah. Because from, from the very beginning scene, I got so many vibes of remembering Yojimbo. Yep. And watching that scene play, watching the entire beginning play out, I'm like going, you know what? The way it looks in the background, especially with the the way that they introduced this new planet, how it's desolated, it's it's barren. And it's very reminiscent of Yojimbo in the very beginning when he walks into town and you see the dog carrying. <laughs> I was expecting an animal to carry a foot. Well, it's just like what happens in Yojimbo. It's very reminiscent of the uncaring Shogun. Yes. You know, who doesn't care about its subjects and just controls all of them, takes whatever wealth that the land does produce for himself. I mean, dude, it, it was a perfect example of the genres that inspired Lucas. And I feel like Filoni was on a mission because he knows he might've not done his great work last season with his first ever live action directorial debut. We have said that, yes, that he needs a little bit more work in terms of experience when it comes to directing live action. Yeah. And that's not an insult. That's just a fact. Dave Filoni is an amazing writer and he's done such a great job with clone wars and rebels, uh, but he needed more experience. And honestly, he comes out of the box swinging in this episode and not just showing his his ability to direct a decent episode, but sheer talent and understanding of the cinema, Dave. Yes. I mean, there were moments that he worked with a cinematographer that was just mind-blowing. Oh, yeah. This episode not just had wasn't just the best episode in terms of directing, but the camera blocking was utterly mesmerizing. Oh, absolutely. I was impressed with the blocking. I was impressed with every single every single shot. There was some some thought process to every single moment. Every single moment there was a thought process. There was a thought exactly. process. You could see it. You could see it on the screen that basically there's a reason why he stood there. There's a reason why that shadow is cast over there or why that especially when you take into when you take into the fact that Filoni took the basics of 
breaking down a scene. And then also you throw in all the, all the new technology that he has to deal with. I with, need to see a breakdown of this with, episode, Dave, with the visual right? effects in the background. Yeah, dude. So the shots I'm like going, how did he figure out to block all the actors? Right. And then have the, the, the foresight to say, okay, in the background, you have this shadow shadowy beast just lumbering in the background. Yeah. And it, just to give that shot some life, Man, don't it, make it still. It's so good. It was really good. Yeah. It's this episode is the first episode of the Mandalorian. That's a piece of art. In my opinion, yes. it's I, not I just, it's not just fun and exciting. It's a piece of art. Dude. A lot of the shots with Ahsoka and the lightsaber. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. A beautiful use of lighting. Yeah. And that is something that I feel has been missing from Mandalorian. And I think that. Well, because David, I think in writing TV and writing movies isn't just about one thing. It's a collaborative art form that includes all the many nuances of filmmaking. Yes. Cinematography, lighting, writing, acting. And this episode had such detail there was so much focus being brought to the forefront on everything every aspect of the filmmaking process was being used to establish a overt and covert narrative or i should say subtext everything was there there was visual subtext there was actual narrative subtext subtext. everything was working in tandem to create this episode and i really think that Filoni needed season one because that was his, that was kind of like. He was getting warmed up. He was getting warmed up. Yeah. He needed the, just like what you said, that experience. He needed that experience. And now that we, he comes back in season two and the one episode he directs, if you compare it to the, like what he did in season one, season one, you could see that he's learning the ropes. Season two, Filoni's showing that this is what I've learned. And now I'm going to take everything I've learned and put it into this one episode. It's like night and day. Yeah, without a doubt. Now, in the way of writing specifically, the narrative starts with the Jaren heading to Corvus, right? Yes. Where we find Ahsoka not just hiding out, which I think many of us had assumed this, that, hey, oh, it's Obi-Wan syndrome. She's just in exile, hiding. Hiding, but she wasn't. But she was in the middle of her own mission to recover information on the whereabouts of Thrawn, which we last saw in the series finale of Star Wars Rebels. Last we knew, he and Ezra were blasted into the unknown via hyperspace, presumably lost. Ahsoka is seeking this information from the magistrate of Caladan, Morgan Elsbeth, a former Imperial officer who was instrumental in the construction of the Imperial Navy. When it comes to canon, this is the first mention of this character. I wasn't quite sure if we had seen her in a comic book or an actual novel because there seemed to be a lot of emphasis on this character. And of course, by the end of the episode, we of course know why because of her connection to Thrawn. But because there's so much attention to detail uh, in the way of characterization and her her brutality and the fact that Ahsoka is hunting her down – I immediately felt like, have we seen this character before? Is there an ongoing uh, like uh, arch nemesis thing here between Ahsoka and and Elizabeth and the magistrate? Yeah, we can only speculate at this time, but I believe Ahsoka is still referring in terms of Thrawn 
as Grand Admiral, right? Yes. Did she call him Grand Admiral? Yes. She said, where is your master Grand Admiral Thrawn? Okay. So I guess we can only assume that he's still operating as an Imperial. Which would be, I'm, I'm still baffled by this. Because as we know, based on canon books, he never had complete loyalty to the Empire. Yes, he is a man of honor. Yes. And he respects his commitments. So that's why he's loyal to the Emperor and loyal to the Empire. Yeah. But it was more of a means to an end. It was about his people. Yes. The reason why he joined the Empire, if you will, was because he was looking to save his own people from threats within the unknown regions. Yeah, and he he realized that basically, if you read the books... No spoilers, though, Dave. Yeah. Yeah. In case people want to read those. He realizes his whole reason is to kind of get in on the Empire, the Imperial Order, because, like, they're the ones that are controlling the galaxy right now. Right. So it would be strange if he was still operating as an emperor as a as an operative of the empire if the empire has fallen and they don't really have that power so there are questions and that's not a complaint these are good questions these These are are good questions these are the questions we fucking want in a tv show well plus actually thinking about if if thrawn is still out there we know that there's pockets of imperial forces still out there i mean come on moff gideon Moff Gideon's out there still. I can't so. imagine Thrawn and Moff Gideon being on the same side, Page. though. I mean, yeah. Thrawn is sheer honor, and uh, Gideon, the dude has no fucking honor. Let's be honest. <laughs> the guy's a fucking, is a brutal psychopath. But it makes but it makes sense that basically you have these pockets of the Empire still around being led by maybe a Moff or a Grand Admiral again. They're probably not on the same same. Well, I think we can assume that if Thrawn is still waving the Imperial flag, it probably has to do with his own agenda. That's yes. not necessarily connected to the oh, Empire. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, yeah. it's all his gambit. It's Thrawn, Thrawn has his own plan, which absolutely. I, I hope we get to see. Well, Dave, we have been working towards this for many years now. There has been comic books for Thrawn. We had Rebels. We had numerous novels now, which yes. all have been reviewed favorably. We might even get into a few of them for our Patreon page here in the next couple of weeks. I think so. I, I mean, think it's relevant and we it's it's past time. We should have done it when they first came out, but well I'm I'm considering throwing them onto our Patreon discussions for Patreon subscribers, but uh, more on that later, Dave. But my point is is that um we've been going in this direction in yeah. the way of the Lucasfilm story group. They have been paving this road for Thrawn for a long time. And it has created speculation amongst the Star Wars fans. I'm like, all right, well, if you're doing this much with this character, there's got to be an end game here. Yeah. There's got to be a reason why you're building up this man's mythos other than just simply, hey, he's a character in a book or a character in a comic. And he had a couple seasons in, in Rebels. You're, you're talking about Thrawn, who's arguably one of the most popular expanded universe characters of all time oh yeah because thrawn the thing i really do appreciate when about about thrawn is like yes by far he is listed he is basically labeled as a villain right 
He's more of an anti-hero, though. But James, yeah, right? I consider him. Well, I consider him more. I don't want to say an anti-hero because he's definitely yeah, because been he's put, not her. He's not a hero. No, he's definitely been put in the antagonist spot v- numerous times. Yeah, but like when you look at Thrawn, it's not about being good or evil. He's not an evil man. Yes, and I appreciate the fact that one of his. I love the fact that con- connecting him to Ilsbeth, Il- who. We know Elsbeth is evil, but then they had to throw in the fact that the reason why Elsbeth is is the way she is is because she's one of the last survivors of Dathomir. And throwing that there, all of a sudden, like, just takes her, it makes it complex like Thrawn. You can look at Thrawn and say, oh, he's a villain. Well, just like what you alluded to, the reason why Thrawn does the stuff he does is out of honor and loyalty to his people. It's not to the Empire. It's not like Gideon who, just like you said, has no, there's no honor to to Gideon. There really isn't. But to like a character like Thrawn, you could see kind of like that all, almost like this glimmer of, it, I don't want to say goodness, but a glimmer of, you know, he, like righteousness. Okay, so Dave. It's very easy for us as Star Wars fans who know Thrawn to see him at some point be the hero of a story. Oh, easily. It's not. It, whereas if you're like, well, Darth Vader is going to be a hero in this story. Yeah. Okay. All right. He's Darth Vader. He's Darth Vader. <laughs> he's not going to be here. Palpatine, he's going to be the hero of his story. Now he can be the protagonist of his story, but he's not going to be a fucking hero. Yeah. Whereas with Thrawn, I can easily see him working with, say, Luke Skywalker. I could see him working with Rebels. If it meant something to his people. Yes. He's not just this blatant evil force. But you got to remember, I mean, like, even in his time in Rebels, when you would expect that those moments when he is an antagonist towards the, the rebels crew, especially the character of Hera. You think that basically, Oh, it's straight. Yeah. He, he's evil because of what he's doing to Hera. But when you put it into the scope of like, he was doing it because he, he admired the art of, of her people. And he wanted to, he wanted to collect all those heritage pieces to his own gains. Sure. But he still admires the, uh, he, he admired that culture. And there was like a part of honor in him uh, admiring her, her culture. Sure. It was not in the most nicest of ways of yeah. taking that culture, but that's what Thrawn does. Well, we can get into the philosophical aspects of his characterization oh God, for dude, the next three be, or four days. And so, it still wouldn't be enough time. Be, there'd be no, not enough time. Yeah. So he's a very complicated character. He's not simple. No. We'll just leave it at that. We also learned a lot about the child. Way more than I thought we would learn at this point. Oh, my God. For yeah. one, we got his name. Thank you. <laughs> Ahsoka was able to communicate with him via the force to learn of his back to learn of his background. His name is Grogu, as we have said several times. And he was a youngling and trained to be a Jedi at the Jedi Temple on Coruscant before yes. the Empire. But he does have problems remembering things after he was taken from the temple. That's the mystery now. That's the mystery. Who took him? Why did they take him? And why does he not remember? 
Now, now my question to you was like, is it the fact that he doesn't remember? Or do you think, because we saw this with Kanan, we saw this with, with, uh, um, the, the character, I, I feel bad because I actually like the character in that video game of fallen order. Yeah. Uh, uh, Cassius, or I forgot what the Jedi's uh, name was. All the Padawans were told, do not use your powers. Right. Go need, into hiding. You need to hide and you blend in. You need to in. hide yeah. and you need to blend in. That was all the master's orders. And all the Padawans were terrified. I mean, you saw that Kanan did it throughout his entire life. And you have Grogu, who basically witnessed everything in Coruscant. And but we don't know if he witnessed it. Well, we know that he was at Coruscant. Yeah, but we don't know if he witnessed. We don't know the, if he if <laughs> we just know that he's afraid and he yeah. understands that something happened. We don't know much more than that. But if you think about it, if his master told him this is very dangerous, you need to stay in hiding. Dude, what if he was Forget- under like a table when when Anakin was killing all the younglings? I, I actually, as as <laughs> as funny as that sounds, as funny as that sounds, I was like thinking to myself, how would it be cool? To know that Grogu saw Anakin coming. What if we the- see a flashback, Dave, of him like walking out? He was in the bathroom and he just he, crack- <laughs> he cracks open the door. He's all. <laughs> oh, fuck. Master Anakin, what are we going to do now? <laughs> and then, yeah, right when he sees that, he's all. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> and he shuts the bathroom door real slow. <laughs> He witnesses Anakin just slaughter that room. And he just hides. He just slaughters the room. And I mean, I mean, that would be funny. I can see that in like a, a Lego parody, a Lego parody. Yeah, Yeah. I can see that. But the moment um, between him and Ahsoka, I thought was beautiful. I love that moment. The scenes with Ahsoka and Grogu were really great. Yeah, I did because they did a, a good job highlighting highlighting the relationship between Jedi and the force. Yeah. That's something we don't always see uh, because we don't have time in movies. We've seen it in rebels numerous times in the clone wars where we have a little more time to play with and we can take those moments and really highlight the intricacies of the force, or I should say the, the intricacies of the relationship between Jedi and force and how they communicate through and what the force really is. It's it's more than just simply a power they use. But I mean, in this episode, they highlight the fact that you can even use it to bridge the gap between species and, and child and communicate with them and learn about them. And ultimately this led to a few moments that will no doubt be important later for Ahsoka and Grogu. Yeah. Ahsoka's fear of training a youngling that has formed attachments. That's number one. Yes. This no doubt has everything to do with her witnessing the fall of Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. And knowing that basically this is what created Darth Vader was. Right. As everyone put it, it was Anakin's attachments to people that made him fall to the dark side. And possibly she may feel partially responsible for oh, that absolutely. as well. Especially in when they've alluded to that, even in clone wars, yeah. her, her guilt of not really communicating with him and then not knowing what, what uh, really happened to him by the end, but having ideas, you know, having inclinations. That, okay. Or an inkling that, that it didn't really end well for him. Yeah, number two, how will these attachments factor in with Grogu's development as a character? 
We know that he was willing to choke out Cara Dune when he thought she was hurting Dejarin. These are the things that Ahsoka is afraid of. Yeah. It's valid. Well, it's, and it's interesting that basically you're left kind of thinking, well, the relationship between Dejarin and Grogu, it's from a place that's out of goodness. It's out, uh, it's, yes. It comes from a place of, you know, we now understand it's that. It's innocent. Innocent. And sincere. But we also know so did Anakin's relationship and exactly. attachment to his mother. So you understand why Ahsoka basically turns Grogu away. At right, first, because, because like, while while it's better for him to learn about the Force, in actuality, it was kind of interesting seeing Ahsoka kind of look at the Jaren and basically say, "No, you you're the one that needs to be with the child. The child has grown an attachment to you. You're the one that needs to actually teach him." It, yes, but there's also a little bit of her own fears being, you know, reflected there, and which is. A statement on where she's at. Is that actually something she is willing to accept that she's also afraid? Fear leads to the dark side. Fear so leads to the dark side. Whatever they're trying to do with it, it speaks volumes. And that's why this episode was written so well, because we all know the aspect of fear and what it means yeah. for a Jedi to be afraid of something. We've heard Yoda talk about this for decades within the Star Wars films. So without really needing to delve super deep into Ahsoka's current situation, we get it. That's how you write an episode, Dave. You exactly. utilize everything that people already know for the most part, and it sprinkles. It just adds that bonus to a character without really needing to spend an exuberant amount of time on them. You add layers to the character so that the, the character doesn't seem one-dimensional anymore. Yes, and these are all interesting elements. These are things that we were missing from the show the biggest reason why we have both been struggling with this show and many times why many times making you and i feel like we're all alone on this ledge of okay mandalorian is fun but it's not that great guys calm the fuck down but this is the reason why those people who just don't get it still that are like upset when we say the episode wasn't that great it's because we weren't getting moments like this this is what the show has been lacking it's been lacking substance and yeah. that's all changed in this episode. This is a perfect example of an episode that had all the fun and excitement Star Wars should have. All the silliness, all the cute little moments, but also have moments of substance. Moments of substance. We understand the stakes. They are high. The pressure that it puts on not just Grogu, but Dejarin as well. Yeah. The responsibility he has is far greater than he even knows. Yeah, and... and even in this episode now, you feel I have a better inclination of Dejaren's motivations now than than I did in the last couple episodes. We it's one of the things that I have criticized the series on is yeah. why is the Mandalorian so motivated by this? Because it's the way that sounds ridiculous. It's just, yeah. Because of, because of honor, because honor of what? The way. And like. In this one episode, you finally get to see Dejaren, and I honestly think this has to be Pedro Pascal's favorite moment because he's allowed to act now. Yes. And you get this now this sense that the motivation of Dejaren is almost like a parent now. He looks at Grogu as he's a kid. 
he's a kid, but also he has this new level of respect, respect. For, the, for this power that he didn't quite understand. And he and he has this now this sense of responsibility that transcends a simple this is the way type of oh yeah. I, it's no longer I've been tasked or I've been quested, quested to yeah. take him to his people. And now he understands what this is. He doesn't know all the, the finer details of what all of this means, but he's starting to grasp. It. He's starting to understand that he has a much bigger part to play. And you're right, Dave. This all did come through in this episode. Yeah, that that last scene between Dejeron and Ahsoka when Ahsoka, when he when Dejeron basically says, oh, I'm I'll go get the child now. Because he was expecting to give the child over to Ahsoka. You get this sense from how he acts and how he walks that Tajaren's not really cool with actually letting the child go now. He sees Grogu as, you know, yeah, well, he has his, a, his, his own. Yeah, he, he sees a, him as his own. I don't want to say child yet, but like he's he sees, attached to him. He's attached to him. That's obvious. Yeah. And like, I get you have more substance to that now. Yeah. And I hope, I hope that they continue this on because I think this was what was needed for the relationship between Dejeron and all of this was needed, Dave, all of it, all of it. You're not wrong. We needed that. We needed that bigger connection between the two of them. The two of them. They're the, they're the leads. Yeah. Also look at the bigger story that is now circling around Dejeron and Grogu. This is why the show is getting better. Moff Gideon and his agenda, whatever it is pertaining to Grogu and the Dark Troopers, Bo-Katan and the Dark Saber, Ahsoka and the Return of Thrawn, and everything that comes with that, Grogu and the dangers of his training and his attachments. We have ourselves a fucking TV show. Finally. For the first time. Yeah. I I 100% agree. And this episode's great, and I don't want to get negative, but this is the problem we've had. It took 13 episodes. And people may say, well, it takes time. No, some of these elements could have been introduced way sooner. Way, way sooner. Which does give me hope. The last three episodes of this show so far have been worthy of Star Wars and have made The Mandalorian larger in scope and relevant. And it all came to a head in this episode. This is how you write TV. And for the first time, dude, I will say that I am excited to see what's next. What is the one thing the last couple episodes me and you have covered in the, since the beginning of season two? Uh, it's almost, for me, ho-hum. It's like, okay, well, see you next episode. Now I actually have that feeling that I want to know what is going to happen next. I want to know. Yeah. I want it now, Daddy. Yeah, I'm disappointed now when the episode's end. I throw a tantrum. Before, I'm just like, can this fucking episode end? Yeah. Yeah, I agree, Dave. And this is the first time I'm going, okay, I want to see where this goes now. Now, Dave, even more than that, let's talk canon, okay? What did we get in the way of world-defining canon aspects, okay? Tython. I believe is how you pronounce the <laughs> yes, planet it is. where Ahsoka told Dejeron to take Grogu is a major location in Star Wars canon. It is in both new established canon since 2012 and retconned canon before Disney purchased Lucasfilm, Dave. Okay. And I have it here now in the way of canon currently, 
where it stands. All right, so Tython was a terrestrial planet located in the galaxy's deep core region uh, that was shrouded in myth. The first Jedi cults built the Matrium of frozen tears there, and some Jedi scholars made the case that Tython was the site of the Jedi Order's first temple. It was actually first introduced in current canon in Dr. Afra number 40. Yep. Dr. Afra led Vader there. So we're dealing with a location, Dave, that's heavily shrouded in Jedi mysticism. Oh yeah. Even even dude in the in the expanded universe or basically the, the legends. Yeah, retcon. legends. legends. Tython deals with one of, I feel one of the my favorite classic Star Wars characters from the books is Darth Bane. Yeah, well, the, it was first introduced <laughs> what in two thousand and seven. Two thousand legends for legends. Yeah, and it, it it ties to the story of Darth Bane and the beginnings of the Jedi and the Sith and everything else. Which is interesting because they it's they're doing pretty much what what they had said they would do. Way back in 2012. Yeah. They're reintroducing aspects from legends that have been retconned back into official canon post Disney purchase of Lucasfilm. And for the most part, they're keeping these new versions somewhat the same. There are minor differences. You have to. You're dealing with fresh canon. But for the most part, they're they're staying true to. To these aspects. Yeah, because in Legends, it is is connected, as you mentioned, to the 2007 novel Darth Bane, Rule of Two. Uh, in this book, Tython is identified as the birthplace of the Jedi Order. Yep. This is hardcore, Dave. This is hardcore. And the the Darth Bane books are some of my favorite books of all time when it comes to to Star Wars, just because... It deals with the beginnings of every single piece of mythology that I love about Star Wars. The the beginnings of the the war between the Sith and the Jedi before the Old Republic. And it has some of the most epic moments that I could go on and on about. And if they were to actually bring that back into canon, like... I'm not going to lie. If I get any mentions of Bane when they go to Tython and everything, I will fully say, okay, I believe in you, Mandalorian. (laughs) I believe in you now. From here on out, I am not going to complain. I will try not to complain. How's that? There you (laughs) go. There you go, Dave. I will try not to complain. All right, so let's take this into our final thoughts then, Dave. Briefly, because we're hitting that hour mark. Give me your final thoughts and your RMD score. Okay, my RMD score for this last episode got at 80. And you remember how I was very uh, uh, kind of like, oh, you got a cookie. Congratulations. Right. (laughs) Now, all right, you finished me off. Oh. You finished me. I'm going to give you a 90. 
man, this episode, dude, is my favorite. That final, the final fight scene between the Jaren and Michael Bean's character and Ahsoka and, and that whole fight scene just made this entire season. And I think it's actually better than anything I've seen in from season one, like fight scene wise, that battle of Ahsoka on the pond with the samurai elements mixed with the Jaren and who's doing the Western standoff chef's kiss. It is gloriously good. And on top of that, you gave me more substance between the Jaren and Grogu, which I have been harping on since episode one of season two that I need to know, give me a reason why Dejaren cares about this kid so much. And finally we get to see it and we get to actually see that he, he does look at the child more than just a job and more than just an oath. He sees the kid as almost like his own child where he doesn't want to give up, give him up even to Ahsoka and Rosario Dawson I've been very critical about bringing in celebrities to be some of our favorite characters. Rosario Dawson just shut me up about that stuff. I've been har- I've been hammering a lot of the celebrity actors, guest stars like Sasha Banks and um even Karen du- uh, K- uh, K- uh Giancarlo Gina Carano. <laughs> with her with her acting rosario dawson just basically slapped me across the face and said no this is good i'm going to i'm going to knock your socks off she gave us her double wielding lightsabers and shoved them down our throat yeah and then disappeared into the shadows and we didn't gag yeah <laughs> disappeared into the shadows and said you like that <laughs> so 94 this episode i'm really excited to see the next one solely because of one thing mike my favorite director of all time is directing the next episode. And we haven't seen him direct in a long time is Robert Rodriguez. So I'm going to tell you right now, if I give the next episode, don't be surprised if I give it a hundred. <laughs> and if I give it something else than a hundred, I'm going to be very sad. All right. So what was the rating then? 90. I'm giving right. it as 90. It's the highest one. Ninety. That's it. Yeah, because like that's all right, Dave. You don't have to explain. I, 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 I believe you. <laughs> I all have right. my reasons. So I felt like this episode was top notch writing, directing, bringing everything that has been in the works, not just in terms of action, but also just emotionally uh, within the script and you know, bringing uh, Grogu and the Jaren together in a meaningful way and really framing their relationship in this way, I felt was needed. We knew that they had been growing over the last 13 episodes or four or so within their relationship, but we needed to see more. And we were given that plus the action. And I loved it, Dave. It was great. I'm going to give it a 95%. It was great. We need more of this. We do. We need these types of episodes of Star Wars, things that are relevant, that are, you know, that can stand independently from the world of Star Wars, but also 
is larger in scope and is relevant to the bigger picture of Star Wars. Blaze those trails. All right. So this does bring us to an end. I want to thank everybody for listening. Thank you, David. Thank you. May the force be with us. Ah, yes. (laughs) 